0: word I mean that's what we're here to do and even though we may have heard it over and over and over again we need to be reminded of the foundational truths of God's word we need to be reminded of the gospel the good news uh, of Jesus the Christ our Savior so tonight I want to talk about a foundational truth that we've heard many times before and that's the foundational truth of identifying the church but let's go back just a little bit you know because we have to look to see how the church was uh, instituted and uh, and so we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament Exodus nineteen five. now therefore if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine the old covenant, the law, was given to a chosen people by God. God gave them a law to govern their lives for the purpose of bringing Christ to us on this earth so that all the families of the earth could be blessed. He promised Abraham in Genesis twelve three, In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In order for this promise to be kept, Christ would have to come from the seed of Abraham, which he did. Paul settled this in Galatians 3, 16, when he stated, He saith not into seeds as of many, but as one into thy seed, which is Christ. Therefore, to ensure that the seed of Christ came indeed from Abraham's seed, the law given by God through Moses kept God's uh, people separated from all the other peoples of the earth. The scriptures describes it as a partition that kept the Jews and the Gentiles separated. There had to be a separation of the people in order to be true to the seed of Christ. And when Christ came, Paul said in Ephesians 2.14, For he is our peace who hath made both one and has broken down that middle wall of partition between us having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so make him peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them which were nigh. When we're talking about those that are far off, we're talking about the Gentiles. When we're talking about those that are nigh, And to us, they're talking about the Jews, for through him we both have access to one spirit. Now, what is he saying? He's saying that the Jews and the Gentiles have access to him by one spirit. There's one body. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. This passage is telling us that the Jews and the Gentiles are to come together as one people, under one body, through one spirit. It is the blood of Christ, through the blood of Christ that the new covenant was established. The new covenant, the gospel of Christ, which is for all. It is for everyone, it doesn't doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter your position in life, uh, or your nationality, whether you're white or, or brown or black or red. We are all one in Christ. Galatians 3:27 says, For as many of you as have put on Christ, have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In Ephesians 3, 4, Paul states, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But here's the problem today. Google. That, that's a search engine on the, the network there, Frank. Google reports one source that estimates there are approximately 4,200 religious bodies in the world today. All of them are different in one way or another. All of them are of some different type of doctrine, some different type of belief or practice. So if you've got 4,200 different religious bodies, how does one this determine whether they're in the true church or not? If if you don't know of the church of Christ and you just come up in this world and you decide one day, you know, I I need to find a place to worship. I, I need to go to church. Well, what church do you go to? There's 4,200 different religious beliefs out there. So how do you determine where to go? Before a person could take on this monumental task, you would have to know what to look for. You would have to be familiar with the marks of the church found in the New Testament. If he does not know the characteristics of the church described in the Bible, he will not be able to discern the true church. I do not believe that anyone could reject the fact that Christ built a church. That he built only one church. He said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, Ephesians five twenty five. He is the head of the church, which is his body, Ephesians 5. One, twenty-two, and 23, he also said there is, is one body, Ephesians 4, 4. Therefore, there is but one church, one body referenced in the New Testament. Now, the, the question is, does that church exist today? Is that re- religious body available uh, to man in this century? Is there a congregation of the Lord's church as described in the New Testament to be found in this world today? Uh, it would need to have the same marks, the same characteristics as pattern in the New Testament. As the apostles went about establishing congregations in the first century, were they not as much the Church of Christ as the one established on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem? Paul says the Churches of Christ, Luke Hughes, Romans 16:16. 16, 16. Were the apostles not inspired they were inspired hence they all preached the same thing each congregation therefore was an exact product of the same faith the same doctrine the same practices as all the others and if and when there was a difference discovered the apostles inspired as they were went about to correct them in their understanding when the congregation was charged with division paul said now i beseech you brethren." Mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Romans 16, 17, and 18. We're now 2,000 years removed from the day of Pentecost. Can we be certain that the church established on the day of Pentecost has been maintained and continues to exist today as if it were just established yesterday? Those apostles and disciples that carried the seed of the kingdom and established congregations throughout the world were reproducing the church that was established on the day of Pentecost. They were not establishing denominations. So the only question concerning a Church of Christ today, does it have the marks of the Church described in the New Testament? If not, only false teachings and sin can account for its differences. And no one, no one has the authority to make a change from the plans of the builder. That builder being our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Matthew 16, 18. Every church that claims to be the Church of Christ, the church that Christ said, I will build and did build must have that ident- identifying marks of the church. Christ did not establish but one church. He did not go about and set up doctrinal differences between different sects of people. He did not establish one church for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. Can you imagine the chaos if he went about setting up different doctrinal practices for all the different denominations that are out there today? Does it, When there's a difference between two people, then is there not some contention between those people? One may say that this is the way you should worship. Another says, well, this is not true. This is the way you should worship. So right there you've got contention. In the book, uh, let's see in the book of ephesians chapter 2 verses 14-17 through 17, paul says of christ for he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall partition between us having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinances for to make himself of twain one new man so make him peace and that he might reconcile both unto god in one body by the cross having slain the empty thereby we're talking about taking the Jews and the Gentiles and making them one in Christ. Why? So that there's peace. You cannot have peace if there is division. Then in the following chapters in Ephesians 3, 4, and 6, he says, whereby when ye read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So here we got the Jews and the Gentiles as one. When Christ died on the cross, he, he nailed the old law to the cross. And the two, the Jews and the Gentiles, are to be one with each other. This is is very important. This is a foundational truth of the church. You can't have all the divisions that are known out there now and be pleasing to God. If there's a difference between what Christ set up and what man has set up, then the difference is sin. Most people choose to ignore this fundamental aspect and rely on joining the church of their parents without any regards to what is written regarding the establishment of the church. That's what the problem is with most people who are searching for a place to worship in that they do not follow any scriptural method of comparing churches they attend with the doctrines and practices of that congregation and what is written in the New Testament. Some people attend multiple churches. I know an individual that attends a Church of Christ, a so-called Church of Christ, and attends the Church of the Highlands. And you can't do, but there's there too much difference between the two. And how do you reconcile the differences? You know, some people, uh, others might choose to go where they feel most comfortable or where it is most popular in the community. And then even nowadays. You might even say they choose a church that has the most entertaining value. And usually in those types of venues. It is the young children that do most of the work. For the, for the pleasure of the adults. Of the parents. So they can enjoy the entertainment. It's more of a feel good service. Uh, and not a worship service where God is the object of worship. The fact that denominational church is different from each other in faith, name, doctrine, practices, proves they are not all identical with the New Testament church. For the true church is one body and denominations are divided and are many bodies. But one may ask, you know, what is the difference between a denominational church and the church you read about in the New Testament? A denomination is larger than the local congregation, but smaller than the body of Christ. It is founded by man and his congregations are joined together under one organization. Christ is not the head of such, but he is head of the body of the church. Colossians 1.18 states, and he is the head of the body of the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. One of the marks of a true church is seen in this organization. The organization of the church consists of elders in every church, Acts 14, 23. They are also known as bishops and overseers. The only other officers found in the Lord's church was deacons. Philippians 1, 1 states, Paul and uh, Timosius, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. A second mark of the true church is that the elders do not have any authority in any other congregation except the one they are a member of. So you wouldn't have an elders of one congregation telling another congregation what to do or how to, how to uh, organize their services. It was after the days of the apostles during the uh, time of the apostasy, when man began to tamper with leadership of the church and appointed men over multiple congregations. In contrast to the early church uh, uh, days of the church, each local congregation took care of his own affairs with his own elders and with his own deacons, with Christ being the head of the church. No one outside had authority to govern the body. It was independent from every other congregation as if there were no other congregation in the world. A third mark is that the local congregation does not have a headquarters from which to receive doctrine, dictation, or anything of the sort. If there is any congregation that has a headquarters outside the heavenly realm where Christ sits on the right hand of God, it is man-made and not a part of the church that Christ said I will build and have no New Testament authority for its existence. In the early days of the church, those who were first, uh, those who were first called Christians, had no other membership in any other thing uh, than the church. The question is, how did they become members? They were members because God added them to the church, Acts two forty seven, for the reasons of obeying the gospel. And every time two or more gathered to worship and to work toward the edification of the kingdom, they were considered the church in that community a local congregation. It is that the early church practiced the teachings of the apostles and disciples in the affairs of the church. They did not belong to a denomination in which they were directed by men outside the membership of that congregation in doctrinal matters. They were. Christians by the blood of Christ through His grace and mercy when they obeyed the gospel and continued faithfully following Him. They were not members of some man-made institution that carried some man-made name governed by some man-made law. The elders were to watch over the flock and rebuke and admonish those who would cause division. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away, and and that man of sin be revealed, the son of prediction. First Timothy four one says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils we have the churches that were established and they were doing well in the first century man started tampering with the leadership of the churches and uh, appointing men over multiple churches and then of course you have men that have decided to go out on their own and uh, for whatever reason, has uh, thought that they would uh, start their own congregation, their own laws, their own rules, uh, and draw men to them because they love the praise uh, from other people. And uh, we knew through the teachings of the Bible that these men, having itching ears, would do so. They would fall away uh, from the... uh, true church and they would begin to build up their own uh, congregations, their own denominations. Second Timothy 4, 3, 4 says, "For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teach, teachers having itching ears and they shall be turned away from their, uh, their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables." It is a fact that man has a desire to cause attention to themselves. They will fall away from the truth. They will have a desire to set themselves to be up some great thing for all for the praise of men. In doing so, they begin building their own church, named by whatever they see fit, and which does not have the earmarks of the church which Christ said, I will build. Those who built such institutions and caused divisions were to be disfellowshipped and because they were contrary to Christ, they did not serve him, Romans 16, 16, 17. It's true, enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, Many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth into life and few there be that find it, Matthew 7, 12, and 13. In Acts 20, 28 through 30, it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. When you say to someone, I belong to the church of Christ, that that Christ said I will build, you get looks. Uh, I know I do. Uh, When you tell them, when they ask you what church you belong to, you tell them the church of Christ or you tell them that I belong to the church that you can read about in the New Testament. And they look at you like, there's no way to be able to belong to a church that was built 2,000 years ago, that started 2,000 years ago. There's not anything like that Around. What, what church would that be? It would be the church of Christ. Carries his name. And uh, what church is there today that is likened to the church of the first century? They would say that there's not one, but there is. The church of the New Testament has this distinction in which it can be recognized among all other institutions. It's unique. There is none like it. You can place your finger on it. You can belong to it you can experience it. We are only Christians with no man-made creeds. We do not belong to a denomination. We do not wear some man-made name. We follow the laws of Christ. We're added to the church that Christ said I will build by obedience to the gospel just like those of Acts 2. We came together on the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's supper as commanded us. We give of our means upon the first day of the week as commanded us. We sing praises to God. We pray to to let our petitions known. We preach his word to edify one another, to uplift one another. We are the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That the one you can read about in the New Testament. So many people are looking for the church to worship at We came across one just last week, last Wednesday, where we were eating supper before we came to the services. And we were talking about some religious um, subject matter. And the girl says, "Uh, I'm looking for a church to go to. Uh, Where do y'all go to? I want to go to one that follows the Bible, the commandments of the Bible. And we said, well, we're going to one tonight. You can go with us to the church. She says, well, what church is it? We said, the Church of Christ. Oh, I don't believe in them. And this is a Faulkner student. She goes to Faulkner University. She doesn't believe in the Church of Christ. I I was stunned. I didn't know what to say. They're looking for something to tickle their fancy. And they're not going to find it in the church of Christ. You can claim to be a part of the true church. You see, the church is the people, it's not a building. When you read Acts two, when Peter preached to them the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, they were pricked in their hearts. And said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter responded, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. When you read about the Ethiopian in Acts 8, they came upon the water after Philip had preached to him Christ. And the Ethiopian said, here is water, what does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariots to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. From these two scriptures, we can see that a person needs to hear the word, needs to believe, repent, confess Christ as our Savior, and be baptized into Christ. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. And then one must live the faithfully, the Christian life, Revelations 2, 10. I think most of us here tonight are members of the Lord's church. There may be some here that are not. What's keeping you from becoming a member of the Lord's church? You cannot be saved outside the church. If you're not of the church, you cannot be saved. God added to the church such as should be saved. So if you're not part of that church, you're not saved. So the question is why are you not a part of that church? If you have been coming to this congregation here of the Lord's church, if you've been going to the Lord's church elsewhere and you know the truths and you're not a member then you're playing with fire. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. When you walk out these doors tonight, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. You could go out tonight and Get hit by a truck, and where do you spend eternity? Of course, just because we have followed the gospel and have been baptized, and doesn't mean that uh, we haven't fallen away. You know that it's not something that happens overnight; it happens over time. But you know, pride will get in your way. Uh, certainly, uh. Procrastination gets in the way of an individual coming forth when he knows that he has done wrong, when he knows he's back out in the world, when he knows that he's sinning. And if he's done it publicly, he needs to come back and confess his sins to the church and ask for forgiveness of the church. If he's done it privately, he may need help. And the prayers of the church will help that individual. But either way, whether you're not a member or you are a member and need the prayers of the church, we, uh, we would ask that you come tonight. Please don't, don't leave tonight. If you, if you have any need and, and we can help you with it, then there's no need for you to leave tonight before you, you take those steps and come forth. Don't let the pride, uh, you know, rule your life. But if you have a need, we would ask that you come forth as we stand and we sing.
1: me and lonely bear his burden to him he who calleth is a master holy On your dear Lord's breast, ye that labor and are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Then his loving, tender voice.